بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا ففت آف ڈسمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ i.e. in visiting those who are ailing. So, by way of a recap, the reports mention that whilst walking to visit the ailing, one walks through the very mercy of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the fruit gardens of paradise till he sits. So, when you're walking towards the ailing, it's like you're, you know, you're walking through the mercy, i.e. waist height. But when you sit, he then sits submerged in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, eating from the fruits of paradise. So know the difference. When you're walking, you're walking through the fruit gardens of paradise. But when you sit, you actually eat from the fru- fruits of paradise. Then it mentions a place is graciously secured for him in paradise. And to top it up, 70,000 angels supplicate for him. morning to evening, and vice versa. But the greatest virtue of all, which Imam Tirmadhi mentioned, was that Allah, the Almighty and Glorious Himself says, if you had visited Him, you would have found me there. So now a question is posed. What if the ailing is unconscious and he is not aware of those who are visiting? Is there any point in visiting? And the answer is yes. In Sayyih Bukhari, Sayyidina Jabir ibn Abdullah radiyallahu anhu, he said, I once was ill, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came walking with Abu Bakr radiyallahu anhu to visit me. They found me unconscious. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam thereupon performed wudu and sprinkled the remaining water over me. I thereupon regained my senses. So here it clearly mentions that Jabir was unconscious and the Prophet didn't say anything. He didn't say, well, it was not, there was no point in visiting. In fact, he did another deed, which is another sunnah, and that is to perform wudu. And then whatever water remains, which is blessed, you sprinkle it over the person who is ill. And this will aid, inshallah, in his recovery. A sick visit should be made short. to avoid tiring or inconveniencing the sick person and his family. But if the sick person needs help from the visitor or is known to delight in the visit, the visit may then be relatively extended. So there's no hard and fast rule. But generally speaking, you shouldn't spend more time there. <laughs> He's obviously a person who's ill. He may need to be attended to. But of course, if he wants you to stay and he, he gives him happiness, it is better to stay. It should be noted, there is a fabricated report which one needs to be alerted to. And the report mentions, make your sick visits infrequent. And the best of sick visits are the shortest. So this is a fabrication. Make your sick visits infrequent. And the best of sick visits are the shortest. Recorded by Al-Khatib and Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah states fabricated in his Ad-Da'ifa number 1645.
So if you look at this report, it indicates you shouldn't go frequently to visit the ill. And secondly, the best visit is the shortest. So some people think that if you actually spend the least time there, you'll get the maximum reward. But this is all fabricated. In another narration, which is weak, it mentions the duration of a sick visit should be as long as milking a shikam. The duration of a sick visit should be as long as milking a shikam. This is recorded in Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman and Ibn Abi Dunya. However, Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah states Da'if in his Da'if of Jami, number 3899, and Ad-Da'ifa, number 3945. So again, this isn't fabricated, it's weak. And he mentions that you shouldn't spend longer than the time it takes to milk a she-camel, which is about 5 or 10 minutes. And in another report again, which is weakness, the best of sick visits is that in which one stands up to leave quickly. The best of sick visits is that in which one stands up to leave quickly. Recorded in Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman ibn Abi Dunya. Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah states Da'if in his Da'if al-Jani number 1031 and Ad-Da'ifa number 2517. So not all of the weak reports mentioned you should spend as little time as possible. But this is not established from the Prophet The frequency of sick visits should be regulated by the sick person's situation. Both should normally be infrequent. However, if the sick person needs frequent help from the visitor or is known to delight, the visit may then be made more frequently. So, why should you not spend more time there, even though there's nothing authentic from the Prophet Because obviously, the medicinal team need to do their work. Sometimes, obviously, a person who's ailing, he needs to go for the call of nature. And he needs help. So it's embarrassing when there's, when there's visitors. Or the nurse might need to do something which might, you know, involve some privacy. So obviously common sense demands you spend as little time there not to cause any problems. However, if you are part and parcel of the help, you're a close family member, then of course there's no problem. It should be noted there is a very weak report which mentions make your sick visits infrequent. This is in Al-Khatib in his At-Tariq and Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah states very weak in his Ad-Da'ifa number 1644. So this also cannot be established. Some people say you should not go regularly to visit the ill. But if you look at the virtues, it's like, well, why are you asking me not to go frequently? Obviously, to spend time, there's another thing, but I want to get the reward. And isn't it a daily deed? Shouldn't, isn't it worth, worthy to get the reward constantly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? One should sit close to the ailing and talk to him in a low and quiet voice. Abdullah ibn Abbas said, when the Prophet visited a sick person, he would sit by his headside. When the Prophet visited a sick person, he would sit by his headside. This is in Bukhari's Al-Adab al-Mufrad number 536 and Shaykh al-Bani authenticated it in his checking. So this is Sunnah. So obviously, if you have the ability to sit closer to the head, this is sunnah. If somebody else is sitting there, don't trouble them. Just sit whatever you wish, but that is the best place to sit. The one who visits 
is not prohibited from eating with the ailing. The following is often quoted to disallow this. When one of you visits a sick person, let him not eat anything at his place, because this will then all be the reward he obtains of the visit. So here's this true. So this is recorded in Deir Labi, and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi states very weak in his Da'if al-Jani, number 592, and Ad-Da'ifa, number 2288. So some people, are to, obviously, they don't mean it in a bad way, because do not eat anything or drink anything there. Because why? Because then you get no reward. Is there a basis for that saying? And the answer is, there is a report. So, is it authentic? No. Is it weak? Yes. How weak is it? According to Sheikh Al-Bani, it's, it's more towards fabrication. He didn't say it's fabricated, but he's gearing towards that. So, there is no harm in eating or drinking, i.e. when a person you're visiting who's ill. It is also often quoted that the ailing's du'a is like the angels. But this also is not proven. The report says, when you visit a sick person, ask him to supplicate for you, because his du'a is like that of the angels. So where is this recorded? This is recorded in Ibn Majah and Mishkat. Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah states very weak in his Da'if al-Jami, number 487, and Ad-Da'ifa, number 1004. So what's interesting, even though it's in one of the six famous collections, Ibn Majah, it is very weak. And the scholars are well aware they are fabricated reports in Ibn Majah. So you shouldn't find it strange. There's a very weak report in Ibn Majah. So if you ask the alien to make a dua, is his dua special? And the answer is, if you think this hadith or you quote this hadith, then the answer is you're mistaken. And also, even logically, why are you troubling the alien? <laughs> you know, if you think about that, you know, maybe he's, let's say he's nil by mouth. He's not had nothing to eat or drink. Next minute, can you make dua for me? And his mouth is like a goldfish, right? And then he's thinking, oh, and then he's thinking, why is he asking me to make dua? And the report says that his dua is like the angels, but it's very weak, meaning it's not established. There is also another report. Visit the sick and ask them to supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for you because a sick person's dua is acceptable and his sins are forgiven. So where is this recorded? This is recorded in Tabrani in his Ausat. And Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi states fabricated in his Da'if al-Jami, number 3823, and Ad-Da'ifa, number 1222. So what's interesting, visit the ill, that's established. Ask them to make dua to Allah Ta'ala for you, is not established. Then he mentions the dua of a sick person is acceptable, his sins are forgiven, his sins are forgiven. But where is it mentioned, his duas are acceptable. So note, this is not from the Sunnah. So note what's interesting. If you are not concerned about authenticated reports, you will end up in a big mess, right? You know, you're doing a good deed, which is a great deed in the sight of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, but you're polluting it and you're messing it up with fabrications. So when you go to visit the ailing, make sure you don't propagate this. And sadly, it's propagated. I always find it fascinating that the fabricated reports are famous. You know, if, if you ask a person, brother, do you know that a person who is ill, his du'as are like the angels? Oh, yes, brother. Fabricated, very weak, brother. Why are you, why are you aware of you know, these very weak reports? And it's strange. And even when you call the authentic report, if you sit by his head side, is that sunnah? Never heard that, brother. Sayyidith. So who's playing the game? Shaitan. 
shaitan's making sure that these fabrications are being popularized. Mm-hmm. With regards to illness itself, our beloved mother Sayyida Aisha radiyallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he said, plague is a means of martyrdom for my ummah and it is an attack from your enemies of the jinn. It is often in the form of a gland like that of camels appearing in the armpits and the thin flesh eye of the stomach. Whoever dies from it dies as a martyr. Whoever stays in his locality when it strikes is similar in reward to a god in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whoever runs away from his locality when it strikes is similar to the one who is a deserter of battle. <laughs> so this is recorded in Tabarani in his Ausat and Abu Nu'im. Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah says Hassan in Sahih Al-Jami number 3946 and As-Sahihah number 1928. So there's quite a few things the Prophet mentioned in this authentic report of the Lord. First he said plague is a means of martyrdom for my ummah. For the previous ummahs it was a punishment. So this is what's strange. So when you look at the previous scriptures, it mentions it's a punishment. For example, Musa was one of the nine signs that was given to Pharaoh. Plague. <laughs> Somebody goes, well, isn't that a blessing? He goes, well, it's a punishment. I don't understand. For us, it's a blessing. Not for the previous ummahs. The Prophet said, it is martyrdom. So if you die from the plague, you are martyred. So now recently there was the COVID, you know, the COVID virus. Some say that was a plague. Allah Ta'ala knows best. Whatever the case, if a person dies from it, inshallah, who knows, maybe he will be given the reward of a mat. And then look what the <laughs> Prophet said. It is an attack from your enemies of the jinn. So what does that mean? When the jinns, the mischievous jinns, are up to, you know, their mischief, and they are in close contact with your, you start getting these blotches. <laughs> Right? And it's well known to the exorcists. You know, they'll start saying, can we look at your bike? And then they'll start seeing like these. And that's the sign. The Prophet said, it's an attack from the enemies of the jinn. So it's actually a, it's a defense Allah has given you. Look how, look how ignorant we are of the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We can't see the jinn. So somebody goes to you, how do you want if the jinns attack me? And he goes, because you got signs. So look how amazing your body has got some defense which shows that you're being attacked by the jinn. But it's another thing knowing that these are signs. You go to a doctor, he doesn't know jinn's attack. He thinks you've got some sort of virus. So that's an expert. But the Prophet mentioned that. And some ulama add to that, that if a person dies from the attack of the jinn, he's martyred. But Allah Ta'ala knows best. Then the Prophet mentioned the signs of the plague. It is the form of a gland like that of camels, meaning like a posture. And it appears in the armpits and the stomach. You die from it, you're a martyr. Then look what the Prophet said. If you stay in the locality, meaning the plague has erupted and you stay, you get the reward similar to the one guarding in the path of Allah. Look at the immense rewards that Allah has given to these people. What's the reward for guarding the borders of the Islamic State? One report mentions that your salah multiplies two million times. So if you are in a locality where plague strikes, imagine the rewards you accumulate. Then the Prophet said, and whoever foolishly runs away, thinking that I want to get away from this, he is similar to the one who deserts battle. 
Meaning it's a great crime. Why? Because you're going to spread the virus. So note, they call it, you know, what do you call it, uh, containment. But really, if, you, if, they, if it was a Muslim area, you won't need gods. They're not going to leave anyway. The fact that you've got gods show that people need to be controlled. Well, unfortunately, Muslims now, you need gods to keep them in the epidemic area. One should, however, take all precautions against any possible infection. Why? Because our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, run away from a leper as you would run away from a lion. Subhanallah. Run away from a leper as you would run away from a lion. This is in Ibn Khuzayma, Bukhari in his tarikh, when Shaykh al-Bani authenticates it in As-Sahihah, number 780 and 783. So what's a leper? A leper is a person whose skin starts to deteriorate. So literally falling off. And you could die from it as well. And in the past, they used to have leper colonies. They only found out that it could be only be spread through vapor. So i.e. coughing or sneezing, not through touch. What the Prophet said here, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, run away from the leper as you would run away from a lion, meaning it's not weakness of Iman. You've got to take your precautions. Right? So people think, no, no, I'm alright, I've got trust. And there is some reality to that, because there's a report. The hadith is in Ibn Majah. And the leper was nearby. And the Prophet asked him to eat with him. He goes, come and eat. Sharing the meal by the, with the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So somebody goes, well, his action contradicts his statement. And the answer is no. His statement always carries more weight. Because his statement is for us. His action may only be for him. So the scholars who look at this report, they go, who can compare to the Prophet? His Iman was somewhere else. So obviously he wanted to eat with the leper. But notice he didn't say to everybody else, come and join us. So note, you shouldn't look at these reports because these reports are unique for the Prophet Another thing which people think is wrong is that to receive treatment from specialized physicians and doctors is a lack of trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the answer is, this is not true. In Abu Dawood, Ahmad and Udus, Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi authenticates it in As-Sahihah, number 1537. Sayyidina Abu Ramtha said, I once visited Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa with my father. My father saw the seal of prophethood on his bike and said, let me treat this on your bike because I am a physician, I am a thabib, I am a healer. The Prophet said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-tabib, i.e. the true healer. You are only a kind man. Its healer is the one who created it. <laughs> so look how beautiful. The Prophet didn't say, don't you know this is the seal of prophethood? You know, he just said it in such a beautiful way. He said, Allah ta'ala is the real physician. Because you're a kind man, meaning you've got my welfare, and the, you know, you're concerned about my welfare. And then he goes, the healer is the one who created it, meaning Allah Ta'ala has given me this. So the healer, if he wants to heal, he'll heal it. So now, what's interesting, Abu Ramtha said, I visited the Prophet with my father. So again, just names. Jack visited John. Who's Abu Ramtha? Anybody know who Abu Ramtha is? Abu Ramtha was a young Sahaba, very young. And there's a very famous report about him, where the Prophet said, Abu Ramtha said, when my father talked about the Prophet he goes, I considered him more, more than a human being. 
But when I actually visited him with my father, I realized he was a human being. This is the rough meaning of the hadith. Sayyid hadith in Nasai. Now why is that hadith very interesting? Because the hadith is telling you the, the father's education of their children. What were they teaching their children about the Prophet? They were teaching their children about the khasais, the special attributes of the Prophet because the son said, I thought he was more than a human being. So if the father was just telling him this, he was born in Makkah, he migrated to Medina, he fought battles, he got married. The son's not going to make that statement. What, what did the son say? Don't forget, he's, he's very young. He goes, I thought he was more than a human being. But when I saw the Prophet, he goes, he's a human being. And this is the sadness. We don't talk about the Khasais. And we're fully grown men. And that's why people say he was a postman. They come up with ludicrous statements like this. He was a what? He goes, he passed the message on. He goes, he's the trustworthy. Trustworthy of what? He goes, he passed the message on. That's what he means. And there you go. You know exactly what shaitan's done with the prophets. So note here, this report is the same sahab. Is I went with my father to the prophet. And he said, Ya Rasulullah, let me treat your bike. <laughs> didn't realize it was uh, the seal of prophethood. And also about the seal of prophethood, Jabr said, once I was behind the prophet on the same beast of bird, and I kissed the seal of prophethood. And then he goes, for the rest of my life, there was mus coming out of my mouth. And he lived for 80 years after the prophet. <laughs> so what was blasting out of that uh, seal, you can imagine. You know, what, you know that's a sign of Naboot. Our beloved mother, Umm Salama, said, when the Prophet left this world, it left his body. <laughs> because we, because it, it was the sign that he's gone. <laughs> and just to add, just as Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, has ordained illness, He has ordained the Shafa. All of this is the part of the Qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abdullah ibn Abbas, relates that our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu alayhi wa Medication is a part of Qadr. It may benefit with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is in Tabarani in his Kabir and Abu Nu'im and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah alayhi states Hassan in Sahih al-Jami number 3415. So look at the word. It is part of Qadr. So when somebody goes to you, if I'm going to live, it's the will of Allah. If I'm going to die, it's the will of Allah. You can respond by saying, taking medicine is the will of Allah as well. And then the guy starts having a breakdown. He goes, well, that's what the Prophet said. It's part of Qadr. Why have you denied Qadr with medicine? And then look what the Prophet said. It may benefit, meaning it's not guaranteed it will work. And, that, and this, we all experience this. Sometimes you go to the doctors, you take some medicine, it doesn't work. Then the doctor comes around again. He goes, oh, try this one. Why did you prescribe? Wait, it didn't work. I'm going to give you something else. And yeah, another person, first tablet down his throat, he's back to doing gymnastics. And it's the same in the hospitals. So note, it's the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's actually a report. In Mazaidi Ihaq, the Prophet sallallahu said, every medicine has a hijab. It is only when Allah ta'ala removes the hijab, the medicine works. So Bali Bali Muslim, they think that the medicine is giving them shifa. The hadith is telling you, Allah ta'ala, when he gives it permission, and there's a report about Musa it's from the Bani Israel, but it seems to make sense. He was once ill, and Allah Ta'ala told him, go to a particular tree, eat from a particular part of the tree, and you'll get better. So he goes, no what part of the tree, maybe a fruit, maybe a berry, maybe a leaf, and he gets better. 
Some time passes, he gets the same illness. So what does he do? He goes to the same tree, he has the same, nothing happens. So he goes, Ya Allah, you told me, he goes, yes. He goes, do you think the tree is giving you shafa? Right? In other words, I told you to go, but then the second time, why did, so Allah Ta'ala was teaching his Rasul, medicine works with my permission. The second time, you know, obviously, you know, we know he's protected from sin, but Allah Ta'ala was teaching you that. And in a similar report, our beloved messenger said, said Allah, medication is a part of Qadr. And he benefits, subhanahu wa ta'ala, whomever he wills, with whatever he wills. Subhanallah. Medication is a part of Qadr. And he, subhanahu wa ta'ala, benefits whomever he wills, with whatever he wills. This is in Ibn As-Sini, and Shaykh al-Bani, rahmatullahi states, Hassan, in Sayyih al-Jamin, number 3416. So look how interesting. Here the Prophet sallallahu said, whatever Allah wants to give shafa to, it will give shafa. So somebody goes, well, isn't that the same? No, it's not. It's different. Sometimes the medicine is the shafa. Sometimes sadaqa is the shafa. Sometimes a certain dhikr is the shafa. Sometimes doing another action is shafa. You have to open up those avenues. This is what the hadith is encouraging. You don't know where Allah Ta'ala has put the shafa. So for instance, a person may be suffering from cancer, very serious illness. And then what happens? He gets cured. And when people ask him, he goes, what do you think was the cure? And even he's baffled. He goes, well, I, I, took, I did the treatment, but it spread further in my body. But then I think it might have been the sadaqah that my brother gave. Or... Somebody gave him zamzam. So here the Prophet is telling you that Allah Ta'ala benefits whomever he wills with whatever he wills. And also he praised the physicians. The Prophet he said, known to those who know, unknown to others. This is the relevant part of the hadith. What does that mean? The Prophet's praising the doctors. Meaning it's a, it's a knowledge, it's a ilm. And the and what's interesting when you get the doctors, that all the doctors have more experience. You'll notice that. Why? Because they've learned, they've acquired more than the youth. They just read the books. And the elders, they know exactly. They seem to know whether, you know, what's working and what's not working. So the Prophet prays and some of the ulama said, this is the greatest profession. I being a physician because it's healing a person's physical. Why? Because the Prophet said that after Iman, Afia is the next greatest blessing and that's well-being. So if it's the next greatest blessing and a person is specialized in that field, obviously he has a very high maqam in the sight of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imam Shafi'i rahmatullahi became a doctor just for that reason. But his being a doctor was a hobby. So he wasn't like, you know, he wasn't a, you know, he was a proper physician. But he just learned it for that reason. But what made me laugh was he like, to become a doctor even in today's day and age just takes years. And somebody goes, yeah, this guy became a doctor but he just treats it like a hobby. That's Imam Shafi. Physician of the heart and soul, subhanAllah. So all I mentioned today was again talking about some of now the erroneous understandings of visiting the ailing. There's so many fabricated and weak reports when you visit the ill and sadly they become you know, written in gold for some people but we need to be aware that these are not true. And then, of course, I mentioned some of the things with regards to uh, illness per se and medication. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? 